Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12.2 This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Wherever committed Christians have gone, throughout Europe, into the depths of Africa, to the outer reaches of China, along the edges of the American frontier and beyond to the Australian outback, the faith of the Good Samaritan, authentic concern for the needy, has always been in evidence. In fact, most of the church's greatest heroes are those who willingly gave the best of their lives to serve the less fortunate. In 1821, Dr. John Rippon, the pastor of the New Park Street Chapel in Southwark in London, began a ministry to the homeless poor. A complex of almshouses was erected on a property adjacent to the church, and the monumental task of rehabilitation was begun. Rippon wrote, Christian compassion is driven by a holy and zealous compulsion. When sight be caught of deprived distress, Christians act. Talk not of mild and gentle acts, of soft provisions and hesitant walk. Christian compassion knows only boldness and sacrifice. Lest we strike the Judas bargain and go the way of the goats, let us invite the strangers in. Let us shelter the aliens beneath a covering of charity and Christ-likeness. When Charles Haddon Spurgeon succeeded Rippon to the pastorate of New Park Street in 1854, the work with the poor continued unabated. When the church moved to its larger facilities in 1861, it was apparent to Spurgeon that the almshouses, too, would need to be moved into larger and more up-to-date facilities. Therefore, he launched the construction of a new building for them. According to press reports at the time, no greater effort has ever been expended on behalf of the city's destitute. The new structure consisted of 17 small homes, which, in the matter of the times, were joined together in an unbroken row. There, in home-style fashion, the poor were not only sheltered, but also provided with food, clothing, and other necessities. In succeeding years, a school, an orphanage, and a hospital were added, each an expression of that holy and zealous compulsion, Christian compassion. Both Rippon and Spurgeon looked upon their work of sheltering the homeless as part and parcel with the rest of their ministry. It was inseparable from their other labors of preaching, writing, praying, and evangelizing. It was inseparable, in fact, from their faith in Christ. In 1870, a renowned doubter accosted Spurgeon on a London thoroughfare and challenged the authenticity of his faith. Spurgeon answered the man by pointing out the failure of the secularists in mounting practical and consistent programs to help the needy thousands in the city. 
By contrast, he pointed to the multitudinous works of compassion that had sprung up from faith in Christ. Whitfield's mission, Mueller's orphanage, Jameson's hospice, Chalmers' poor school, Bernardo's shelter, Welch's job course, and Martin's hospital. He then closed the conversation by paraphrasing the victorious cry of Elijah, boisterously asserting, The God who answereth by orphanages, let him be God. Often called the Prince of Preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon was heralded as the greatest orator to grace the Christian pulpit since the Apostle Paul, both during his lifetime and in the years ever since. His sermons, delivered at London's Metropolitan Tabernacle, were undoubtedly used in accord with God's good providence as dynamic forces for righteousness in Victorian England and around the world. But his many years of ministry were marked not just by his masterful pulpiteering, but uh, by his many social and cultural labors as well. In 1861, the erection of another almshouse for the elderly was undertaken. In 1864, he established a school for the needy children of London. In 1866, he founded the Stockwell Orphanages. And in 1866, uh, to these other many enterprises, he added still another, a private hospital. He wanted to revive the venerable Christian tradition of 1 John 3. Dear children, Let us not merely love with word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. Though he was a best-selling author, the pastor of the single largest church in the world, a sought-after evangelist, a friend and counselor to innumerable lords, members of the royal family, and a succession of prime ministers and cabinet officers, he believed that his work in mercy ministry was the most important he had ever undertaken. In all, he was responsible for 60 different institutions, schools, seminaries, co-porterage societies, missionary agencies, and mercy ministries. His commitment to fulfilling the Great Commission led him to a fully integrated and dynamically engaged worldview and ultimately established him as a paragon of balanced and effective evangelical leadership. Explaining this furious activity on behalf of the poor, Spurgeon said, God's intent in endowing any person with more substance than he needs is that he may have the pleasurable office, or rather the delightful privilege of relieving want and woe. Alas, how many there are who consider that store which God has put into their hands on purpose for the care of the poor and the needy to be only so much provision for their excessive luxury, a luxury which pampers them but yields them neither benefit nor pleasure. 
Others dream that wealth is given to them that they may keep it under lock and key, cankering and corroding, breeding covetousness and care. Who dares roll a stone over the well's mouth when thirst is raging all around? Who dares keep the bread from the women and children who are ready to gnaw their own arms for hunger above all? Who dares allow the sufferer to writhe in agony uncared for and the sick to pine in their graves unnursed? This is not a small sin. It is a crime to be answered for to the judge when he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Today, of course, Spurgeon is best remembered for the remarkable gospel clarity of his sermons. But the ministry of the Word in the pulpit was built upon the firm foundation of the ministry of deeds to the poor in his community. It is little wonder, then, that his legacy has stood the test of the vicissitudes of time, and that is both resistance and reformation. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information and for resources, go to georgegrant.net.